Blog Talk Radio. In 1992, the Food and Drug Administration decided that genetically modified organisms were the functional equivalent of conventional foods. They arrived at this decision without testing GMOs for allergenicity, toxicity, antibiotic resistance, and functional characteristics. The aim of the seed industry is a trillion dollars of profits from royalties every year. And the aim is no farmer should have access to royalties. The aim is every farmer should be forced into the market every year. All across our country, our people are becoming more and more conscious about the foods that they are eating and the foods that they are serving to their kids. And this is certainly true for genetically engineered foods. Americans have a right to know if their food is genetically engineered. Hello and welcome to Mad Science, the Genetic Crossroad. I am your host, Anna Cavanaugh, and I want to thank you for joining me for the broadcast tonight. I'm excited to begin Season 3 of the series, and I'm looking forward to sharing a great new lineup of programs in the months ahead of important topics that I really feel we should be talking about. But tonight, we begin with biotech, breach of nature, cost, and consequences. Throughout the GMO, biotech, and agrochemical debates, among others, we have witnessed what is the ultimate in corporate control and influence, along with the disastrous impacts from the implementation of these technologies in our world food supply, pharmaceuticals, and in the reckless tampering of DNA through several different applications, all for profit-driven purposes. These impacts pose drastic effects to our human health and evolutionary process in a variety of ways. However, there is another critical aspect to the larger picture of all of this debate, that I don't feel we are talking enough about, and that is the frightening consequences resulting from the biotech industry that now compromise the delicate balance of our planetary ecology and our environment. As the hand of biotech continues to sweep across and outright ignore what would seem to be all reasonable boundaries of ethics and morality in its unquenchable thirst for power and profit, how close are we to the final curtain call where nature, in its own inevitable wisdom will protest against us and at what cost will future generations have to pay for the mistakes we make today. Let's talk about it. Over the course of this radio series, we have talked a lot about a variety of topics concerning genetically modified organisms, GMO, their effects on human health, and also the biotech agribusiness companies who produce them. Since the secret introduction and commercialization of GMO products some two decades ago by corporations interested in the maximization of profits above all else, there has been mounting tangible scientific evidence showing not only the irreversible changes and ailments already taking place in our bodies as a result of this technology, but also the insidious and disastrous damage occurring on a planetary scale, damage that most of us are unaware is even happening because of its gradual progression, which is really terribly frightening if you stop to think about it. As bad as transgenic products are for our bodies, their effects on the biosphere are incalculable, and many scientists believe these effects will bring large-scale repercussions in the near future. In fact, changes are already taking place and leading us down a path from which we may never recover. The use of GM fertilizers, herbicides, insecticides, and fungicides by corporatized agriculture 
are robbing the natural soil of vital nutrients and poisoning our precious water supplies. They are not creating a sustainable food source for the future, as industry continues to claim. Rather, more and more scientific studies are revealing just the opposite. Although the global impacts of GMOs on the environment has remained a less talked about issue, it is extremely important for obvious reasons and needs to be addressed and discussed amongst all of us much, much sooner than later. Modernized agriculture and the irresponsible, if not outright negligent, use of chemicals and genetically modified systems is taking a major toll, a toll that is affecting vital ecosystems and the environment on a cosmic scale. And I believe we should be deeply concerned by that reality. From the very beginning, transgenic products have been pitched or sold to governmental regulators and consumers as being essentially equivalent to their natural counterparts and therefore perfectly safe to plant, grow, and eat. This philosophy has been the cornerstone upon which biotech and food companies have continued to justify their claims of safety and the widespread sale of these products to the public and as such have set a precedent in what is considered the norm. Now as a result, the boundaries have been expanded to allow greater quantities of more and more toxic pesticides, the greater penetration of GMO foods into world markets, more radical biotech products being created, and the minimal testing for long-term adverse effects. None of this, of course, being good for the consumer. And it is the same philosophy used to downplay and discredit any researcher or scientific evidence revealing that biotech crops are causing significant damage to the environment. Now, when anyone speaks up about threats or damage to the environment because of GMO practices, they are shouted down and dismissed as being anti-science and anti-technology, as if the words and promises of the giant biotech corporations are based on pure scientific truth. What these companies don't bother to disclose is that they hold proprietary rights to many key components to gene and GMO research, and as such, they don't share findings with independent science groups. That's a slippery slope right there, isn't it? Because that makes them gatekeepers of what information and test results are released to government agencies or to the public. They're the gatekeepers. And, of course, conveniently, all the research they do produce show GM crops to be perfectly safe. However, they don't allow anyone else outside to independently verify this. And that's really pretty scary. And all of this begs the question we have been asking. If it is such safe science, why the secrecy? Why the shroud? Why the guarded results of tests and the selective release of information? The reasons are obvious. To reveal the truth of what their products are doing to our bodies and to the environment, to reveal even a hint of possibility, would mean a potential collapse of their business structure and security. It would be completely naive for us to believe that biotech companies like Monsanto are not fully aware of what they're doing. They know their GM products and the toxic chemicals that go with them are not safe. They know these alarming independent studies that are arising around the world aren't just made up by crazy anti-science scientists, uh, as they might have us believe. 
they know these things are having a significantly negative effect on our environment and that there will be irreversible consequences. Yet they continue on in a seemingly arrogant bliss of denial of, 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 the, of the reality of what they are doing to our soil, to our water, and to our environment as a whole. I'd like you to listen to a couple of short clips. This is uh, Carl Falkenberg and Pia Buccella, I hope I pronounced that right, uh, who are both in the European Commission, the executive body of the EU. And here they are stating their views that reflect the current general sentiment of European nations about modern agricultural impacts on the environment. Have a listen. When we have uh, agricultural monoculture, uh, we use a lot of uh, uh, pesticides, uh, fertilizers, uh, and the soil becomes contaminated. We waste 40% of our food in Europe. 40% of our food goes to the bin. And at the same time, we use more mineral fertilizers and we impoverish our soil. We thereby ha- pollute our waters. And there again, we use chemicals to clean up the water and we find ourselves in a vicious circle. Impoverishing our soil, polluting our waters, using chemicals to clean it all up, only to find ourselves in a vicious circle. The degradation of biodiversity on a global scale is just one of the serious consequences we must face as a result of mega biotech companies industrializing the movement of farmland uh, toward, as Carl Falkenberg just mentioned, a monoculture, or monocropping as it's called. This means that the same crops and the chemical pesticides that go along with them are grown and used repeatedly on the same plots of land year after year after year for the purpose of maximizing production. This has a multifold effect. As GM crops begin to dominate large areas of farmable land, the pollen they generate goes on to contaminate surrounding regions. This is a phenomenon that continues to happen despite past claims by industry that it couldn't happen. In the beginning of all of this, the same biotech companies like Monsanto downplayed or even flat out denied any possibility of their GM products having the ability to cross-contaminate or to spread to native crop areas. But now, the fact is indisputable. It's happening. And to account for what they said in the past, they had to change their tune. So now they just simply say that the effects are minimal and have relatively no impact. But this is completely false, misleading, and really just the tip of the iceberg on this issue. Now here's where we get into some complexities, so please bear with me as I talk a bit about the underlying processes involved here. I'll try to break this down the best I can. What researchers have known for some time is that cross-contamination of genetic material is not just limited to GMO genes infecting the same species of neighboring native crops, but that those same GMO genes can actually become part of other non-related organisms as well. Think about that. This is known as as horizontal gene transfer, which is the inheriting of genetic material by other modes than sexual reproduction processes uh, like what we see in pollination. This can not only happen between organisms within the same species, but incredibly also between different biological domains, meaning genes from a bacteria can insert into the genome of a plant or animal. 
the jumping of domains is shocking and a relatively new revelation in the scientific world. But to understand the significance of this, we have to consider that biological heredity and evolution has been traditionally understood to happen vertically. In other words, genetic information passing from parents to offspring, with each species separately shaping the evolution of their own lineage. This has been the prevailing understanding and assumed to be the only way genes could pass from one individual to another. But since the mid-1970s, when genetic engineering was really being developed, it became evident that genes could actually transfer laterally between organisms. So although the idea is not new, it has never been taken seriously as a significant factor in genetics until more recently. Molecular biologists are now describing this as a new paradigm in understanding actual evolutionary processes in biology, and new questions have arisen from this about the magnitude of these transfers and to what extent vertically inherited genes may have been replaced by horizontally acquired genes. It's pretty complicated, but if you think about it and you do a little research about it, it's actually pretty scary and ties us back to GMO and what is going on in those processes. What it boils down to is this. Genetically modified material can and does find its way into other living organisms not intended to receive it. It becomes a part of native genomes and can do this by other means than pollination, such as by being inhaled, rubbed into the skin, by injection, insect bite, if swallowed, or just by being in close proximity or making regular physical contact somehow. Here's the real rub, though. It turns out, even though natural lateral gene transfer has been taking place for eons in a limited sense, mostly between bacteria, GMOs, because of the way they are created, are much more likely to transfer in this way. So in other words, transgenes will be incorporated into native genomes by way of lateral gene transfer at much higher rates and volumes than we see with standard genes. Most biotech supporters would argue this, stating genetic material couldn't possibly survive non-standard uh, modes of transfer. However, the research says otherwise. In fact, over the past two decades, horizontal gene transfer has been found to occur at considerably greater frequency, which is suspected to be due in part to the byproducts and processes of the same industries claiming it can't happen. It's happening. What all this ultimately means is that the biosphere is becoming increasingly contaminated with man-made transgenes and to a much higher degree than ever thought before. It is not limited to isolated GM crop contaminations that we've been hearing about sporadically for years. And now, with biotech companies continuing to influence foreign policy by pressuring governments around the world to expand their use of genetically modified products, the cycle will continue to build and spread even further. There is no way to tell how native genomes will react to this onslaught in the long term, but scientists already fear we've reached a point of no return and that it could be calamitous, resulting in the unexpected creation of diseases, viruses, or other pests with the potential to effectively destroy fragile ecosystems. This is already being seen in honeybee populations which are experiencing colony collapse disorder, the sudden disappearance of whole colonies of bees. 
There is an unmistakable correlation between bee disappearance and regions where GM products and their pesticides are heavily used. Study after study is showing the severe effects neonic pesticides in particular have on pollinators. It so happens that this class of pesticides is used intensively in countries such as the United States, Canada, and Australia, also the largest GMO producers in the world. Without pollinators, food supplies will come to a grinding halt. You know, there's a great quote from Albert Einstein. If the bee disappeared off the surface of the globe, then man would have only four years of life left. No more bees, no more pollination, no more plants, no more animals, no more man. End quote. Yet these are the very real, very high stakes that agribusiness companies are playing around with. Through the continued use of GM crop technology, weed pests and bugs are developing resistance to chemical pesticides and hence have been dubbed superweeds and superbugs. It follows that as transgenic contamination continues to expand globally, these resistances will become pervasive even in non-agricultural areas. The overuse of industrial pesticides has created a menace that will become increasingly difficult, if not impossible, to control in the near future. Unfortunately, this has spurred the industry to call for more powerful toxins in an attempt to abate the problem. Very recently, the EPA has actually raised the allowable limit on chemical pesticides and approved higher levels of toxicity, which means people will be exposed to these at greater intensities. As dangerous and threatening as these industrial chemicals are to our consumer health, an equally perilous but less talked about fact is what they are doing to our soil. Soils are becoming severely depleted of vital nutrients that are essential in sustaining any kind of agriculture. Research shows this is happening on a global scale, but nowhere more aggressively than in the United States, where it is said to be depleting at more than 13% the rate at which it can be replaced. 13%. It has been scientifically determined that the heavy use of the predominant chemical pesticide glyphosate appears to be one of the largest contributors to causing harmful changes in soil, with one of the biggest side effects ironically being a reduction in crop yields. It turns out that the repeated use of glyphosate impacts the root structure of plants, and it has emerged as a primary contributor in the cause of fungal root disease and ultimately fungal root disease results in outright plant death and it is not easily dealt with. Biotech's response to this would be to manufacture fungicides to fix it. However, there is no single fungicide that will kill or inhibit the growth of all fungi. Glyphosate also insidiously makes its way into the root systems of trees. This happens by application of the chemical to weeds growing in or around the root zone of the tree. When these weeds die, they release a small amount of the glyphosate back into the soil, which can then come into contact with the roots of the trees. The roots then take up the small amount of glyphosate and deliver it into the main body of the tree, where it will be stored, building internally for years. This process eventually takes its toll on the life of the tree. And when you put this into the context of, say, a forest of trees, the implications to that get pretty scary, don't they? because we all know how crucially important trees are to our planet and our own existence. Soil contaminants from GM agriculture have significant ruinous consequences for ecosystems. 
buildup of aluminum in the soil is caused by various modern farming practices and environmental pollution fallout. Through the years, it accumulates, similar to glyphosate, and damages plant roots. You know, it's important to remember that radical soil chemistry changes can occur even when these hazardous chemicals and metals are present in very low concentrations, which is still enough to alter the metabolic function of microorganisms and indigenous soil-dwelling species. This could mean the virtual eradication of many species in the primary food chain, which would have a cascading effect for higher species and predators. Even if chemicals are ingested at small concentrations lower down on the food chain, they are amplified the further up the chain we go, giving rise to an avalanche effect. Now, it's impossible to guess what the loss of a seemingly insignificant species will do in the larger scope of things. We can't predict that. According to soil scientists, there are about 6 billion microorganisms thriving in each teaspoon of healthy soil. A teaspoon. So when we talk about ecosystems, we typically think about everything that's above the soil line, right? We think of plants, animals, and of course, us human beings. But we rarely think about the vast kingdom of life that is in the ground itself. Upsetting this soil-based network of ecosystems will have consequences, consequences we won't be aware of until after they have occurred. We simply do not have a complete understanding or even an awareness of every component in the network of life. So to then carelessly and boldly tamper with something so fragile that has so many multiple interdependent locking pieces, it's just simply irresponsible. In the words of Dr. Vandana Shiva, whose work I greatly admire, she says, quote, Both ecological science and our ancient wisdom teaches us that all life depends on soil. But we are now unthinkingly adopting the illusion that human progress is based on how fast we can destroy, bury, and consume the soil. We are forgetting that life grows from soil, not concrete and tarmac. End quote. I'd also like you to actually hear a clip of Dr. Shiva speaking about the cause and effect of the ag industry as it recklessly wipes out biodiversity and nutrition. Have a listen. But the system has been designed to wipe out nutrition, first by wiping out biodiversity, then by depleting the soil of their nutrients and the plants of their nutrients and our food of its nutrients. And the focus is yield, yield, yield of single commodities, so of course there have to be deficiencies. If there are no greens in the fields, because seeds are now sprayed by Roundup, which kills everything green it comes in contact with, children will have vitamin A deficiency. We now need to work with biodiversity to produce more food and nutrition while using up less of the Earth's resources, a smaller footprint and a higher output. The current system has a huge footprint with a negative output. There is also the application of neonic-based pesticides and fungicides to the seeds themselves, coating them in a chemical lacquer before they are even planted. Agricultural regions have been pelted from above and below the soil line with chemicals for years now. But because they have a cumulative effect, the damage they inflict isn't seen until after a tipping point is reached. We have finally reached this point. GM crops planted year after year on the same plots of land 
have saturated the soil to undeniable and unprecedented levels. One of the most frustrating things is that the USDA actually acknowledges this is happening, yet astoundingly continues to approve product lines from Monsanto, Dow, DuPont, Syngenta, Bayer, and BASF, all big into the business of transgenics and chemical production. In January of just this year, 2015, the USDA granted Monsanto the go-ahead to use a new line of transgenic seeds for both corn and soy. Instead of crops designed to be glyphosate tolerant, Monsanto is now engineering plants to be impervious to the toxic chemical dicamba. Dicamba works by mimicking auxin, which is a natural plant hormone, and it causes uncontrolled cell division. The dicamba-doused weed dies as a result of damage to its vascular tissue, growing at extremely accelerated rates. Dicamba is a major threat because it is highly mobile, and so it's difficult, if not impossible, to contain. It also easily contaminates water supplies and is known to have neurological effects on living organisms, particularly mammals. The USDA also approved Dow AgroSciences to develop 2,4-D-tolerant crops. 2,4-D is one of the primary chemical components that makes up the highly toxic and cancerous defoliant Agent Orange, which is undisputed as horrifically dangerous to human health. 2,4-D is acknowledged by the World Health Organization to be a known carcinogen. How this is considered by our protective agencies to be an acceptable food crop pesticide is simply beyond reason as far as I'm concerned. The trend is clear. This is essentially what's going down. When tolerance is reached for pesticides of increased toxicity, regulatory agencies then yield to corporate pressure and raise the bar that will allow for more toxic chemicals to then be used and in greater quantities and potencies as necessary. So the obvious question becomes, will greater toxicity be used in coming crop cycles? And if so, how will these then be justified? Where does it end? And yet another consequence of GM crops is their voracious use of water resources. For example, typical GM plants require 14 to 20% more water per gram of dry biomass following a single application of glyphosate pesticide. With more applications, this could reach as high as 50 to 100% more water per gram requirement. About three years ago, the U.S. suffered the worst drought in 50 years, and as a result, GM corn and soy crop yields were particularly affected in very severe ways, much more than in conventional crops of the same variety. This summer has turned out to be even hotter, in fact the hottest on instrumental record. Now there's no data yet on how GM crops fared this season, but it will surely be worse than the figures of 2012, due to the fact that they have this increased water requirement. Now, a really critical thing to remember is that water is not an unlimited resource. This means, given the right set of conditions, we can run out of it, or at least be in a severe state of shortage. Can you imagine not being able to afford a glass of tap water from the kitchen sink? We would be competing with GM crops for the same water supplies. In fact, this is already occurring. It's a great irony because biotech companies constantly advertise how GM crops are the only solution to feeding future populations, yet the very processes they use rob us of the most important component 
to our survival. Having enough food but no drinkable water would be pointless, wouldn't it? Depleted water supply goes hand in hand with global warming, creating a vicious cycle. The less water supply, the less rainfall, with an increase in overall global temperatures. The USDA released a report recently titled Climate Change and Agriculture in the United States. According to their report, our current agricultural system, which is dominated by corn and soy, is unsustainable in the long term. Their report says that should temperatures rise as predicted, GM agriculture specifically will see significant declines in yields. This would be disastrous as economies have become dependent on these crops. The solution should not then be an attempt to genetically modify an answer to get us out of the mess as Monsanto and the USDA would like to do. It's really very unfortunate that the USDA failed to evaluate how reliance on monocropping, the method and backbone of GM agriculture, would drastically increase the probability of devastating crop losses. And this gets us back to the importance of biodiversity. The more crop diversity there is, the greater the food security because individual crops are affected differently. Never before in the history of agriculture and food has there been such a large concentration of control in the hands of such a small number of corporations. The six largest manufacturers of agrochemicals in the world control over three quarters of the global pesticide market. The same six corporations also control over 60% of the seed market while controlling 100% of the global GM seed market. Contrary to what these corporations claim, GMO technologies and their associated pesticides are ruinous to our environment and the living biological systems above and below the soil line. It is never mentioned by the industry, of course, but GM technology is an inexact science that provides no control and no recall over its consequences. Therefore, it is impossible to predict the degree of negative impacts these products will have on the genomes of organisms within the biosphere. Because the basic rules of how nature operates are not completely understood, and because these rules have been broken and replaced with man-made versions, it is inevitable that the environment will be adversely impacted and forever changed. Many scientists claim that genetically modified products will give rise to unprecedented forms of biological interaction and evolution, all with unpredictable consequences and uncertainties for biodiversity. The initial releasing of GMOs into the environment was a global experiment that continues to this day and affects the natural dynamics of life and humanity as a whole. Unfortunately, this decision was made unilaterally by the small group of mega biotech chemical corporations interested in growth of business models and profits for the short run, rather than a healthy, safe, and sustainable long-term future. The actions of these business entities are conveniently but wrongly based on the assumption that genetically altered products created in the lab will behave the same when released into nature. And with that, I've run out of time in tonight's show. I want to let you know that the listener's voice will return as we get into our third season here. So if you would like your question or comment to be featured on the show, I would love to hear from you. Just pay a visit to the website at www.geneticcrossroadradio.com and follow the link to the listener's voice. Once there, just fill in the form and send me along your thoughts. I'll feature as many as I can during each broadcast. 
Your voice, it really does matter and will help make a difference in both the future of our food and our human health. This show is a conversation, and that's where all change begins. So let's get talking. I also want to tell you about the Facebook page for the series. If you are enjoying the show and would like to participate in some more interactive communication, I'd love for you to come and give a like and join in at www.facebook.com slash Anna Kavanaugh Mad Science Genetic Crossroad and also on Twitter at GMO Mad Science. And I hope to see you there. Thank you for listening to Mad Science, the Genetic Crossroad. Please join me again for more on GMO and the biotech industry. The next show is scheduled for next Tuesday, that's November 10th, where we'll continue our conversation with an episode named Leveraging Loopholes, Biotech's Answer to Consumer Anti-GMO Protest. One of the latest practices in biotech is a process that allows DNA to be edited down to the letter. Known as CRISPR technology, scientists now have the ability to control gene mechanisms with unprecedented accuracy and without traditional, invasive, high-cost GMO procedures as they exist now. In effect, CRISPR is the evolution of GMO. All of this allows corporations to continue producing genetically altered foods without ever having to worry about legislation or labeling mandates. As consumer right-to-know demand increases and more companies are responding to protests by voluntarily labeling GMO products or by removing them from their ingredients altogether, industry is well ahead of the game and consumers should not be fooled into complacency. CRISPR technology allows a crafty bypass because it is not recognized technically as a GMO process as is currently defined. Industry can use this technology to dodge existing regulations now or in the future and avoid GMO stigmas in public perception as they continue driving corporate profit. They would not have to disclose this new process to regulators or to the public, rendering the hotly debated GMO labeling issue effectively moot. Present-day loopholes in an obsolete agribusiness regulatory system may be the biggest challenge yet as consumers fight to stay informed and aware of what is happening to the manufacturing of food. Is CRISPR technology the ultimate bait-and-switch in the GMO debate? I hope you'll join me for next week's broadcast. If we destroy nature, surely nature will destroy us. For while we may hold dominion over nature, we do not possess its wisdom. Until next time... Be well, be healthy, and be informed.